Hello, and welcome back to His Simple Truths podcast. I am Greg Mullins, and I'm here with Tyson. Hello, everybody. Um, We are super excited to be with you today. So just some background. We started to record this podcast last week, and uh, we got about 15 minutes into it and got stupefied. (laughs) Again. Literally in mid-sentence, the spirit told me just to stop talking. And so I stopped it. I'm like, dude, I don't know what. Like the information we had was amazing, but that I couldn't feel the spirit of it like I had in the other podcasts. And uh, we'll explain why that is here in a second. Um, as has been the case with all of the podcasts, the Lord looked down at these two foolish men that he's using for (laughs) instruments in his hands and he's like you guys don't get it yet (laughs) and so he gave us some experiences over this last week that um, taught us what we needed to understand so that we could share it properly with you um, and help you understand I hope if there's anything that this His Simple Truths podcast communicates is that these truths are not ours. And we are not the teachers. The Holy Ghost is the teacher. Christ is the teacher. We are just the messenger. And in that, I don't know how else to express that we didn't have the principles that we're going to teach today in our firmly in our understanding or grasp until we stepped into the dark. And then the Lord was like, oh, you guys got to go back to the drawing board again. You're still not understanding what you were taught. And we'll talk about the experience where we were taught. But just understand, we, it's with utmost humility and gratitude that for some reason the Lord's like, here, understand this, right? Okay. We walked out of here last week, and I could feel the Lord patting me on the back like, good job, nice try. You're almost there. <laughs> now go out and try and experience and I'll teach you what what I really need you to say. <laughs> exactly. Yep. And so, yeah, we're not experts. Like, we are the two biggest knuckleheads you will ever meet, I promise. But the Lord's like, here, receive this information. Okay, now tell your, tell your experience, right, to other people. And then I will teach other people through your experience. And that's what he's doing. <clears throat> Absolutely. Okay, so this podcast title is Therefore What? Um, that phrase comes from, um, I don't know who origin, originated it, but it definitely uh, is a President Packer, Packerism. Um, he's one that that shared it a lot. Elder, I believe it was Elder Bednar. He um, had put together a pretty nice conference talk, and he took it into uh, Elder Packer and had him proofread it like they do. They, they always have each other read them and make sure that everything's doctrinally sound and whatnot. And President Bacter said, that's nice, David. Therefore what? And handed it back to him. <laughs> no. So he goes back to his office and he reads through. He's like, yep, there's zero call to action here. Yeah, and that's, there's no point in learning doctrine if we don't do something with it. So that's the point of this podcast. We've been through seven podcasts now. We've taught you who you were, what your purpose was, Um We've taught how to recognize opposition and how to stand against it. We've talked about repentance, 
turning to God and receiving light. We've talked about using that light as a weapon to fight against the adversary. Uh, and then we've talked about how God layers his truth in what we're ready and willing to receive. And so this podcast is about, okay, those are all great. And we've got some amazing feedback on those podcasts. But what are we going to do with that knowledge? I think in the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or maybe we should just say this is part of the Mormon church that the prophet's trying to get rid of, right? (laughs) Um, We've so often been super good about knowing the doctrine in our minds, right? Like I asked my kids, right? What, what are, what are the steps to, you know, the functional steps? What are the principles and ordinances of the gospel, right? To receive the blessings that heavenly father has. And they'll walk you right through all the way from being taught in primary to baptism to, you know, to, for the young men receiving the priesthood, you know, temple ordinances, they'll walk you through the whole thing. They know it. At 11 years old, my twins know it. The difference now that the Lord is trying to communicate and has forcefully communicated to Greg and I over the last week is that therefore what, right? There's no salvation in the ordinances and the principles of the gospel in and of themselves. Without Jesus Christ, there is no salvation in those ordinances and the principles of the gospel. It is through Jesus Christ and his marvelous atonement and the power of his charity and his love that we receive that fullness and all the blessings that he has. Yep, absolutely. So last week when we were, um, I was driving down to the church. We were both driving down to the church to to record this podcast. Um, both of us were kind of getting hammered. And by the adversary and there's no kind of about it <laughs> <laughs> okay we were getting pummeled by an onslaught from the adversary that's the truth of it and both of us in the past have looked at each other and basically said hold the line um, like we know the adversary's after us we have to be the ones to stand up and hold the line and not let him overcome us and so like I usually do I text Tyson I'm like hold the line and I'm like, I'm sick of holding the freaking line. <laughs> and the minute I said that or sent that text, the spirit, as audibly as the spirit does for me, which isn't a voice, but words, the time to hold the line has passed. It's time to advance the line. And I was like, oh, I like that better. <laughs> like, and then he texts me that and I'm like, I felt the spirit of that just wash over me like, yes, okay. It's time to go on the offense, baby. And so both of us being warrior spirits are like, all right, baby, it's time to go to work. <laughs> Putting on all of our armor, getting our sharpening our sword, like let's start swinging for the fences. <laughs> and part of the reason why we got paused in the podcast is because, well, the Lord's like, oh, no. <laughs> Here they go again. <laughs> And he's like, wait, pause, hold on. It's the whole, I don't know if I'm ruining what's coming, but it's the whole moment in Star Wars, right? When Luke's sitting there talking to Yoda, Yoda's dying, and he's like, okay, so I'm a Jedi now. And he's like, no, no, you're not. You still have to face Vader, right? Like, And we're like, oh. And so we're trying to figure out who our Vader was. Yep. So 
let's just go right into that. So we uh, yesterday we were going through trying to understand what we needed to understand, and so we use the Star Wars um, parable frequently of the Force being the spirit and dark and light, and so we were thinking about the the whole Star Wars analogy and the final battle in Return of a Je- of Jedi. Return of the Jedi is Luke against his father. And I had gone to look for that video so I could watch it again because we wanted to talk about it today and I wanted to make sure I had it accurately in my mind. And as I was scrolling through, I got to that part that Tyson just mentioned where where Luke's talking to Yoda. And if you remember, he went to get trained by Yoda and then he's like, okay, I got enough. I'm going to go fight. <laughs> like he felt like he had to get out to the battle. And Yoda's like, no, don't go. You're not ready. Don't do it. <laughs> but he goes out, and he gets pummeled, right? He gets beat up because he, he's not a full Jedi yet. He doesn't understand what he needs to understand to be able to operate in the Force at its fullest, greatest potential. And finally, in, in this um, episode of Star Wars, he comes back to Yoda to complete his training. And... He's sitting with Yoda, and Yoda's sick now. He's dying. He's about ready to pass on. And and Luke looks at um, Yoda. He's like, I came back to complete my training. And Yoda's like, you don't need anything else. You understand it now. What happened, though, is Luke went and learned it the hard way. (laughs) Instead of completing his training and learning it in a training-type setting, he went out into the battlefield not knowing how to swing his sword and got his arm chopped off, basically, (laughs) (laughs) amongst other things. Um, And you can take that literally and spiritually, however you want to look at that. um, So I thought that was interesting. And then then I watched that final scene with... So it's uh, Luke basically turns himself in because he knows he has to have this meeting with Vader. And... Um, he goes in and the emperor, the evil emperor is there and the evil emperor, his goal is he wants to convert Luke to the, to the dark side of the force because Luke has more power in the force than even Vader does. And so he's looking to make him his disciple. And the emperor knows that the only way to make that happen is Luke has to kill his father. He has to turn his feelings of hate and anger and fear and all of those things over to the dark side and and give up. And uh, so Luke goes into it having had a previous premonition from the spirit that there was still goodness in his father. So Luke's goal was to convert Vader back to the light side in this whole confrontation. And so here's here's the way we can do battle, right? There's two ways to do battle. We can go in to conquer evil and slay it, which is where Tyson and I were at last week. Oh, we were ready. <laughs> like two idiots on the sidelines of the coach who finally gave us like the go-ahead. We got our helmets on. We're punching each other in the head. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's go out there and crush somebody. Let's go hit somebody. You're ready. Yep. And the Lord's like, oh, facepalm. Like, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Here, so Luke goes in, and and the first thing that the emperor does to Luke is he tries to break him down, right? So he shows him that the rebel alliance is getting crushed and that there's no hope, right? That Luke has no hope to have any victory as part of this rebellion, basically trying to convince him that really the only true option is to join the dark side and gain more power 
so that he can go out and accomplish what he wants to accomplish, which in this case was to save his friends that are being killed at this point. And you see the conflict in Luke, right? Because he's watching his people get destroyed and he's listening to this creepy evil empire guy think that thinks he's all that. <laughs> you can just see the look on Luke's face like, I just want to kick your butt. <laughs> and, and I, as I watch that, I, when I sit in the temple film and watch the part where Lucifer is presented, I have those same feelings like, you freaking scumbag, I just want to throttle you. <laughs> And so it was very, uh, it, it actually touched me pretty deeply to recognize in myself that I was succumbing to the dark side in that moment of that hate and anger towards the opposition. That's what the emperor keeps telling, keeps telling Luke in that scene. He's like, and that's what Satan tells us all the time, right? He's like, give in to your feelings of hate, yep. you know, strike out with all of your, with all your hatred and and kill me, you know, which tells him to kill him. Emperors tells Luke to kill him because he knows that in doing that, he's going to create this monster that he wants to create. Um, So anyway, it goes on back and forth, back and forth. And then um, Vader jumps in and tries to help the emperor convert Luke. And Luke's like, I'm not going to fight you. Like Luke knows why he's there. Yes, he vacillates back and forth between those feelings because he's still mortal. He's not a Jedi yet. (laughs) And he's vacillating back and forth between, but he knows what his purpose is. And his purpose was to convert his father. That was his only goal. And that's uh, our lives, right? Like that's like seven some minutes of uh, uh, that battle between Luke and his father with with the emperor in the background going blah, 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 right? Like yep. the only thing missing, right, is like the spirit, but the spirit was within Luke. So you, you can say that the spirit of the good side of the force, the light side of the force, but like it's this whole seven minute battle scene of our lives, right? In microcosm. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At one point Luke is hiding from Vader cause he doesn't want to fight him. And he's now reversing the roles on Vader. He's like, your thoughts betray you. Like, I know there's good in you. I know you're not going to kill me. I know you won't give me up to the empire emperor. And, uh, and then Vader goes back at Luke. He knows now that he can't get Luke. He's not, he's not now trying to persuade Luke to switch to the dark side. Cause he knows that's not going to work. So now he goes at him with friends and family, right? He, he gets after him about Obi-Wan and he gets after him about, he finds out about Leia, his sister and says, he's going to kill her. And like, you know, starts going after the family. And at that point, Luke's mortal frame snaps and he goes natural man, natural man. Yeah. <laughs> gets ballistic and just goes after Vader to where he's just hacking him with full fury and eventually cuts off Vader's hand. And the emperor gets up and is clapping. He's like, yes, yes, good job. Now strike him down. (laughs) And at that moment, Luke looks down at his hand, which had been cut off in his own quest to have power, you know, and um, that hate and anger had cost him his own hand. And then he looks at his dad, whose hand he had just cut off, who's Vader, and realizes in that moment what that hate and anger, what the fruit of that is. And he turns back around to the emperor and, and looks at him and says, I will never join the dark side. Yeah, turns his lightsaber off and he's like, I'm done, yep. I'm done fighting. And then in the most 
perfect part of the scene. He looks right into the emperor's eyes and says, you've lost. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and what happened in that moment is what Luke understood. Luke understood going into that. He understood intellectually that hate and anger was not the way to do it. But in the moment where he's looking at his father and realizes what the fruit of that is, it went from his head to his heart. Remember that, head to heart, because we're going we're gonna to be talking about that as many times as it took Ray to pound it through our heads. And, and it didn't even work. He passed on, and we still didn't get it. And then Sherry had to take up the mantra. <laughs> yeah, Ray's <laughs> wife. Oh, man. But he understood it in his heart, and he knew at that point that there's no way he was switching to the dark side. And Vader, or the Emperor, knew it too. Because he looks at him and he says, well, if you're not going to join me, then I'm going to destroy you. And he starts to electrocute um, Luke with all this power. And the interesting thing is Luke didn't fight back. He just sat there and took it. And then eventually, like you can see him kind of watching what the Emperor is doing as he converses with Vader. Like in my mind, Luke knew exactly what he was doing and allowed the Emperor to attack him like that, knowing that it would cause his father to have compassion. And at one point he cries out to Vader and says, Father, help me. And then you see the confliction between Vader as he's looking at the Emperor. Do I stay with him or do I give in to the light side of me that was still there and eventually anyway Vader picks the Emperor up and tosses him into the reactor and kills him and um, comes back to the light side and Luke understanding what needed to take place was willing to sacrifice his own life to be able to save his father and bring him back into the light just an amazing analogy I mean I don't know how Lucas was so inspired with that, but obviously he was. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so. that's powerful. Just just like Greg said, though, like, bear in mind, I feel like reminder here, asterisks all over this, like, bear in mind and think in your in your heart right now. Start thinking, do I think with my mind or do I think with my heart? Right. Yeah, so yesterday I was uh, – Tyson and I were independently studying in different places trying to understand these principles. So one of the principles that excuse me, came to us is um, the principle that darkness is chaos and light is love. And that through the priesthood, we have the ability to control chaos and and as we were going through this, in my mind, I was still in the attack mode yesterday. Like, okay, how do I use chaos to I walk into a situation where people are listening to the adversary, and how do I control that? Like, I need to be able to control it. And we had one of those. So, like, after we get this knowledge that we're gonna that we were gonna have <coughs> um, more power to advance the line, like Greg talked about. Then we came to church last Sunday, and it doesn't matter the context or what happened, but like we we f- we were feeling a new level of discernment it with within, and we were like, "What is going on?" Like it was noisy, and so I think it's important that we explain the context of that. So we had decided that we needed to be able to discern that chaos in others, that darkness, so that we could eradicate it, right? Get rid of it. 
And so we both came to church praying for that spirit of discernment. And it's funny because later we were talking to Sherry Ray's wife and we told her that and you should have seen the look on her face. She looked at me like, you guys are so dumb. Like, why would you pray for that? And her analogy was uh, jumping in with both feet. Yeah. And Tyson said, basically, we watched swimming on TV, right? Then all of a sudden we thought we were like Olympic swimmers. <laughs> we didn't even know how to swim. We're like, hey, we watched it on TV. We can figure this out. Basically, ended up like flailing our way through church like, ah, we're drowning. And it was amazing. So we we could hear the, the spiritual chaos that was happening around us. And we won't go into that at this point. But um, so anyway, as I, I sat there thinking that I understood this principle and trying to write it down in some kind of format for the podcast, all of a sudden I hear, go see Sherry. And I was like, oh, I will. But first I want to get this all written down and figured out. And then I'm going to go take it to her and be like, look how cool. Look what I learned. <laughs> you know, hoorah, Greg. And I sit there for another couple minutes and then I hear again, go see Sherry. And I was like, but I, I will. And then immediately, the, like, I got a kick to the back side of the head like hello this is the spirit speaking <laughs> i was like oh yeah sorry all right i'm gonna go see sherry <laughs> uh, meanwhile i ignored at least one maybe two promptings i can't really remember to call sherry on the phone and so i get in the car right and i'm driving to an appointment and and the spirit says again like call sherry and i'm like oh, okay so i call sherry on the phone and she goes she asked answers the phone with a jovial voice, right? Which she does anyway. But she's like, hello, how are you? And I'm like, good. She's like, well, Greg's here. And I was like, ah, <laughs> every time. <laughs> this always happens to Greg and I. And usually he's the first one to the top of a mountain. And then I get there and I'm like, oh, you're here already. <laughs> it's because the Lord gives me a head start because <laughs> I'm the weak one. <laughs> uh, oh, but anyways, it was hilarious because like, if we, like, so I'm like, and Greg, you're there because of this? And he's like, yep. And I'm like, Okay, <laughs> just sit here and listen. So when I was studying, the Lord told me that I needed to learn how to control chaos. And I was like, okay, that's awesome. So I'd been studying that principle and said that to Sherry. And the first thing that she says is, you don't control chaos. So now I'm conflicted. I'm like, is she speaking by the Spirit? Because the Spirit just told me I'm supposed to control chaos. You know, and... And multiple times before that, she had talked about taking it from your head into your heart. That's what Ray said to us like, like 20 times at least. A couple times an hour. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we thought we understood what that meant. We thought that we had clearly taken the gospel from an intellectual understanding of it to a spiritual application of it, which is what that means to take it to your heart. And we thought we... I thought I was there for sure. Like every time she said that in my mind, I was like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, but then as we sat there, so we, we talked through a bunch of things. Um, and then finally, as I sat there listening to her and pondering, finally this concept of head to heart um, actually happened to me. So what I learned in that moment was the principle of agency. Yeah. And so when Sherry was talking to me about not controlling chaos, she didn't mean not controlling it within myself. She meant that I don't have the authority to control it 
for others or in others because they have their agency to um, to participate however they want to participate um, on this planet and I began to understand the principle of charity um, as that source of light what was interesting to you is like earlier in the week Sherry called Greg and she mentioned to me in a different conversation that she really felt the urgency to teach us Greg and I about charity right and we'd been told by the spirit oh you guys get to be more bold and advance the line right and then she's like trying to tell us about charity and I'm like what come on like something ain't right here right yeah. like this is two different things so I was like, as I was studying before I went to her house, I was like chomping at the bit, right? I was like, yeah, we're going to go do this podcast. We're going to get busy. And when I get there, she's like, um, you need to settle down. <laughs> you need to pull the reins back a little bit because you're trying to attack something that you don't even understand yet. And I was like, I, I understand it. <laughs> it's darkness. I want to go kill it. That's what I understand. <laughs> Come on. That's, why I, that's how I've lived my life. I told you guys, I used to, you know, used to think that way all the time because of my military training right like you see the enemy you fix and flank and you kill yep. that's not how the lord operates so i'm gonna pause that story for a minute and we're gonna talk about meekness for a minute yeah and then we'll come back to what she taught us with charity because i think it's important so everything with the gospel that we learn is line upon line precept upon precept right and we couldn't learn this principle of charity until we learned the principle of meekness. Um, and so I think it's important that we teach that first. Um, so Ray's funeral was last week. Um, he passed away. And Tyson and I were both asked to speak at the funeral. Tyson was asked to share his experience with Ray and who Ray was. And I was asked to share a principle that, that Ray would want taught. And so I wrestled with it for a week or so of what Ray would want me to teach. And Ray's number one thing he taught was love and charity. That was his big mantra. And so that's where my mind was, but it didn't feel right. I kept getting pushed back from it. And one morning I sat up and heard his voice say meekness. And I was like, okay. Tyson had been studying meekness a little bit. Before that, we kind of had a basic concept of it, but I really dove in and tried to understand what meekness was. Because meekness, meekness is kind of like humility, right? They one and the same is what I thought in my mind. Um, but I learned this, so I love this. And I don't know who the quote's from, but I think it's important to understand. It says, meekness is an attribute of human nature and behavior. Meekness has been contrasted with humility as referring to behavior towards others, whereas humility refers to an attitude towards oneself. Meekness meaning restraining one's power so as to allow room for others. So humility is how we perceive ourselves. And meekness is how we portray ourselves to others. It's how we interact with other human beings on the planet. Yeah, meekness is more than self-restraint. It is the presentation of self in a posture of kindness gentleness, reflecting certitude, strength, sincerity, and a healthy self-esteem and self-control. That was Maxwell. <clears throat> but 
I, I guess example-wise, just real quickly, if you remember the story in the in the Book of Mormon of <clears throat> when Moroni was just getting hammered and they're out of supplies and they're not able to fight Captain Moroni. So he writes an epistle to Pahoran in the city and he, he rails him. Like he's just like, you guys are screwing up. We're down here dying. And I'm telling you right now, if I find out you're up there consuming all the supplies on your lusts, that we're going to come up there and crush you. And Bahorin, who was a righteous man as well, in his response, defines meekness 100%. He basically tells Moroni, oh, Moroni, like, I wish you knew the story of what's going on up here. And he goes, but I, I love you. I love your heart. Like, your warrior heart is what's going to help save us. Because of his humble response, or his, excuse me, his meek response to Moroni, they get together. And they run the kingmen out of the city, out of the... And then they turn their fury together, their righteous fury, against the Lamanites and run them out of the land, and the war's over because of that one act of meekness. I mean, Pahoran could have taken offense. You know, right. You don't even know what we're starring in up here. Yep. You think you're starring in a bad movie down there? We're getting crushed up here. <laughs> totally could have chastised and taken the wind out of Moroni's cells, right? But in this, it says that they're willing to subdue their own power and allow room for others, which is what Pahoran did. Pahoran was the leader, right? He's the one that was in charge, but he totally said, Moroni, I love you. Like, I love what you're doing. You just don't understand, you know, what's happening to me. This is what's happening. Now keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a good job. Like, keep fighting, you know, and that allowed that synergy to happen between the two of them, and then they rose up together and crushed, pushed back that rebellion. Yeah. The Hebrew definition of meekness, it refers back to the taming of animals, believe it or not. So as I, as I read that and listened to that, I thought, holy cow, the natural man is the animal within us, right? And meekness means to tame that animal, to wow. tame the natural man. You think about that, and I watch my dad break horses, and you have this wild animal, right, that doesn't think it wants to be tamed but it actually does because to be tamed and to be useful for us as men was the measure of its creation and so that horse fights against fought my dad i mean i used my dad fly off get hit you know land in, in a hit a corral fence with his face right get back up on and try to tame this animal um there's some analogies there for our own lives but but that's that's a huge understanding that meekness right and that broken animal also develops their love and a relationship with that with that cowboy with that rider and there's a, a mutual appreciation and that animal right that horse becomes happy and joyful i've seen that change i've seen the fire in their eyes from when they're not tamed to the softness meekness and love that those animals have for me and for the rider right to fill the measure of their creation that is so powerful if you think about that concept that we just presented. So we come to this earth. When Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, it says that God cursed them and cursed the ground for their sake. And that curse allows his creation that he ordered to go into a state of chaos. Um, and the whole purpose of our existence is for us to learn how to control that chaos within us and remove the curse. And come back to a state of order. And that's exactly what happens with that horse. 
like Tyson said, it wants to fulfill the measure of its creation, but it's, it's in a state of chaos because it's in a telestial world. And by breaking it, it's brought, breaking its heart, broken heart, <laughs> the natural man, the beast, is brought into order again, not submission, order, back to its purpose, full state. That's powerful if you think about that. That's exactly what we're striving for. Um, there's a lot of different opinions on what meekness is. I love this from Elder Bender, Bednar. He says, the Christ-like quality of meekness is often misunderstood in our contemporary world. Meekness is strong, not weak. Active, not passive. Courageous, not timid. Restrained, not excessive. Modest, not self-aggrandizing and gracious, not brash. A meek person is not easily provoked, pretentious, or overbearing, and readily acknowledges the accomplishments of others. Yeah, that's a pretty all-encompassing thought. Yeah. And it's interesting how the gospel works, right? When you go into the scriptures, and we're going we're gonna to read this here in a minute, the progression is faith, hope, meekness, and then charity. Progressive steps to be able to get there. All starting with faith, which is the willingness to take that step into the darkness. You know, I was talking to my mom last night on the phone, and she was, you know, we were kind of talking about why I am the way I am and I told her well I'm just dumb enough like we talked about in the other podcast to actually try like the prophet said that I could have power to move mountains and I was like that's cool how do I do that and he tells us how to do that you got to go to the Lord and ask him how to to have him teach you how to do that and I was like well that's cool how do I do that and then the prophet said well you got to pray to know how to pray and I was like okay that's cool how do I do that so I go to the Lord I'm like Lord I don't know how to pray to get this but I want it teach me how to pray to get it and guess what? He did. I was like, holy smokes, this works. I'm going to try again. <laughs> and then every once in a while we try to do something, and he's like, that was wrong. Nice try, though. <laughs> but the whole point of us being on this earth is that practice. Brothers and sisters, I really got to gotta point this out. you know how happy our Heavenly Father and the Savior are to see us even try? That's the problem right now in the church and in the world is we're stuck in fear, which is keeping us from even trying. And we're sitting there like, oh, well, I, I could go do that, but I, I don't want to seek the mysteries because I'm afraid, right? Like a very profound influence in our lives. Stopped doing podcasts for a long time and then started doing them again recently. And he's like, what are you afraid of with being deceived? We're already deceived, right? Like the deception is, is that <clears throat> we shouldn't seek the mysteries of the kingdom when in actuality the Lord told us that's where joy, peace, and comfort come from is in those. And salvation are in the mysteries. So, so playing it safe doesn't serve us. It doesn't, it doesn't help us. Yeah. Mike Stroud, who Tyson's talking about, is one of our heroes, a true mentor. And I was even told through the Spirit that he's a true messenger. And 
changed my life in many ways, opened my mind to vistas that I didn't even comprehend before. Definitely mm-hmm. love him. And his last podcast that he came out with, we, we noticed that he's been liberated as the prophets liberated us to go after the mysteries, encouraging us to seek after those mysteries. Mike Stroud's gone to a whole nother level in this latest podcast. It's awesome to hear. You can just hear and feel too the, the love, um, not that he didn't have it before, but he's leveled up with what's in his heart and why he's doing what he's doing. It's a completely different reason. So we have uh, we have experienced some pretty intense opposition um, in doing these podcasts, and we're called out by by a lot of different people, and we had to go to a place where we could quickly check in with the Lord to make sure that we were doing what we we're supposed to be doing. Um, we've been um, accused of priestcraft and setting ourselves up to be something greater than the truth we're trying to teach and um, not teaching by the Spirit and a lot of different um, accusations placed against us. I love this quote by Sister Holland. She says, Satan uses a very delicate line between self-confidence and pride to blind us. He can keep us so frenzied in our efforts to protect our own self-esteem that we are blinded to the one quality that would assure it, true dependence on the Lord. I just want to testify to you, brothers and sisters, that Tyson and I aren't doing these podcasts to self-aggrandize ourselves. We have no interest in that whatsoever. I would happily be Master Yoda in my hut in the forest by myself, away from everything. But I cannot sit back understanding what I understand and not be willing to go out and get smacked around a little bit. And what Sister Holland said in that last line, true dependence upon the Lord is the only thing that sustains me. I rely 100% just like when we were recording the last podcast if the Lord tells me to stop I stop if the Lord tells me to go I go I don't ask questions and I know Tyson feels 100% the same in that yep yeah there's (coughs) it's been a battle Um, I'll be completely honest there's been times where even getting attacked right where it stings and you're like you're luke in that moment right you're like ready to turn your lightsaber on and strike somebody down right (laughs) and you got to put it down and walk away and say no i'm not willing to fight that way right and and the lord brought us along through that right where we would fight back initially in our lives and say things back and then we got to the point where we just take abuse and we're just laying there trying to figure out why we're taking the abuse but that was a necessary step and now this new principle that we're about to talk about came into our lives where we understand where the true power for the Savior comes from and how to use it. So let's go back to Ray's teaching. So Ray, every single person that I watched him interact with talked about this uh, principle of love and taking it from our mind to our heart. And... Um, so we talked about in, I can't remember which podcast, we talked about power in the priesthood. What is power in the priesthood? What is that? What is the source of that power? Um, so I want to read this to you from DNC section 7, verse 44 through 48. Um, and then we'll talk about this. So 
Um, it talks about, first of all, hope and faith. So if so, his hope and faith is in vain, for none is acceptable before God save the meek and lowly in heart. So first we have to understand meekness and correct our relationship with others and our motive for even being participating in the gospel. And if a man be meek and lowly of heart and confesseth by the power of the Holy Ghost that Jesus is the Christ, he must needs have charity. For if he have not charity, he is nothing. Nothing. That's a big word. Wherefore, he must needs have charity. And charity suffereth long, and is kind, and envieth not, and is not puffed up, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, and rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, if ye have not charity, ye are nothing. There's that nothing word again. For charity never faileth. Wherefore, cleaveth unto charity, which is the greatest of all. Greatest of all. Not the greatest principle, not the greatest attribute. It is the greatest of all. For all things must fail. But charity is the pure love of Christ, and endureth forever. And whoso is found possessed of it at the last day, it shall be well with him. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, pray unto the Father with all energy of heart, that ye may be filled with this love, which he hath bestowed upon all who are true followers of his Son, Jesus Christ, that ye may become the sons of God, that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, that we may have this hope, that we may be purified even as he is pure. The power of Christ is charity. Christ is charity. Charity is not an attribute. It is what we become. The fullness of the priesthood is charity. We can have priesthood authority, but without charity at varying levels, right, increasing in us, we have no power. There's no power in having an ordination or an office in the priesthood in and of itself without the pure love of Christ to use and wield the power of the priesthood. So listen to verse 45 again. Charity suffereth long, is kind, envieth not, is not puffed up, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. So now back to sitting in Sherry's living room and my attitude of I'm going to get out there and control chaos. And Let's go wreck somebody. <laughs> and Sherry's trying to teach me about love and getting it, the concept of it. I've read that scripture a hundred times and understood the concept of it, but I didn't get it. That's, that's the issue, right? We're spending time in the gospel or in the church intellectualizing about concepts and the entire message. I feel like the savior keeps giving us through the podcast is application. Well, the application is what Greg's about to say. So in that moment, 
Sherry basically checked my motivations, right? Why do you want to go after chaos? You're not supposed to control it in others. They have their agency. And as I pondered that, I started to understand that Christ, in organizing this earth, took matter and organized it. And he didn't force it to become anything. He took matter spiritually first, a spiritual creation first, right? So he took matter and he said, I'm going to organize you. I can organize you into this. This is what you have potential to become. Would you like to do that? And then that matter agreed to that. Even in the creation of all things, Christ did not take the agency away from that matter, that intellect, that intelligence that existed before. It had a choice to become if it wanted to become. We had a choice to become sons and daughters of God if we wanted to. If we didn't want to, we had that choice and we could have gone the other way. And we're facing the same choice now. We have the choice in front of us right now on whether or not we're going to whether I'm going to, Greg's going to, or you listening right now, are going to genuinely follow Jesus Christ and become like him. That's the choice we have. Or we can think we're saved by our works and by checking boxes and sit back and think we're enduring to the end, but we're not. That's not enduring. The choice we're being given is to become disciples of Jesus Christ. I just had an image open to my mind. Go back to the breaking the horse principle. There's two ways to break a horse. There's a very violent, mean way to break a horse. And and then I, I watched a show called The Horse Whisperer and watch how he broke those horses through love. And this goes even deeper as I think about it. So the traditions that we've been taught on how to break a horse is to do it violently. Where, as far as I know, I'm sure there's more, but one man that I know did it a different way. And he did it through pure love. Yep. My dad, I watched that transition happen. So my dad stopped using spurs <coughs> when he was when he was breaking horses. And my grandpa was a six foot four, two hundred and fifty pound, rough, tough cowboy who could take a bale of hay and and throw it <coughs> to the top of a ten foot, you know, or a ten bale stack to my dad. Like my grandpa was big, strong man, right? And he earned he made his way through life with his own physical power. And he was scoffing at my dad. I mean, I love my grandpa, but he's like, you can't break horses without spurs, right? And my dad started to do that. As I watched my dad transition and go, there's a kinder, gentler way. He stopped using coarse ropes and started using softer um, softer cotton ropes that wouldn't that weren't abrasive and didn't hurt the horses. And and he never I never saw him whip them. He'd get just bucked off, right? And hit the fence and he would get up, not angry. And walk over and ooh, 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 and bring him back and then work his way to back in the saddle, right? And they'd start bucking again and he'd hold on. And then so it's this whole concept of, like Greg's saying, of us transitioning from the way we thought we had to fight to the way that the Lord wants us to accomplish the mission. It's not fighting. That's, that's not even a word that he uses. He wants us to accomplish um, what he has laid out for us in our mission through love. How many times do we buck the Savior off? Right. Right? 
He's like, just like last week, whoa, 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 take it easy. And I'm, I'm over here, like, kicking buck and like, what? Don't tell me to whoa. <laughs> I'm snorting. <laughs> Snot's coming out of my nose. Ah, I got this. So when we think about going on the offensive and controlling chaos, if we can learn to, not learn to, if we can receive charity, from Christ because charity is something you're given the pure love of Christ is given to you by the Father and it's something you become but if we can become charity if we can become one with the Savior now we can go to chaos and be like hey that's not what you were meant to be you have the option to stay in chaos if you'd like or you can be reorganized back into what your purpose is and everything on the earth every piece of creation even mother earth herself is longing right now to be reorganized back into order back into love she's the mother earth is bucking right now right she feels the darkness on her she feels the chaos of the people on her and she she hates it and this came to me yesterday as I was sitting there pondering it she literally has the power to just wipe us off the her face right now she could but the doctrine and covenant says that she's fulfilling the measure of her creation which is to allow us a place to come down and learn practice and so she's She's like us, I kind of feel like, is like chomping at the bit. Like, let me get these freaking dirt bags off of my back. Right. And she, and you could see that. The evidence of that is all over the news. Rather than the increase of natural disasters, right? Like, yeah. Mother Earth is is not thrilled, but is also being calmed. I just had this thought come into my mind. Um, a picture of the Savior in Gethsemane. Father, take this cup from me but not my will, but thy will be done. That's where the earth and everything on her is at. That's fulfilling the measure of its creation is, I know I got to do this. I don't want to do it, but I'm willing to do it. Think of the reaction of the earth after Christ was crucified and it was finished. Think about that for a minute. The earth was mourning the loss of her creator, Mm -hmm. like in a way that we can't even fathom amazing yeah uh, in Doctrine and Covenant section 121 verse 41 it says no power or influence can or ought to be maintained by virtue of the priesthood only by persuasion long-suffering gentleness and meekness and by love unfeigned by kindness and pure knowledge which shall greatly enlarge the soul without hypocrisy and without guile. The way that we go to battle is with pure love and righteous desires to help things that were already organized perfectly be restored to that perfect organization. But not against its own will, because it has its choice. Whether that's a person, a human, who's in chaos, or whether that's an animal or a tree, it doesn't matter. It's all the same. We're all created of Christ. We're all dependent upon Christ for our existence. And 
he's not there with a you're my creation obey me he's there with I created you in love and I want to give you everything that I have because I love you I created you with my love and here it is it's free <laughs> like I'm standing here with open arms please take it and we reject it thinking that somehow that's weakness and that's the key right there that you said thinking we're thinking with our minds, right? We're not feeling with our hearts the message he's sending to us. One thing that Ray said to his wife was he he had sort of a vision of the next life, and he said to her, he came back. He, I, I think he checked out, came back across the veil again and was back in his body. But he said, I, I know something new. And she was like, what do you know? He said, when people speak to each other on the other side of the veil, they don't use their mouths speak with their hearts because mm -hmm. the heart can't it cannot lie there's a lot of research out there that shows that <laughs> such an awesome thought in the, in the last week last few days of his life ray couldn't talk very much verbally but i would stand at the end of his bed and look into his eyes and he would just look at me and we would literally converse with each other and i would say something to him and he would smile and then he'd wink at me like he could totally hear my thoughts and I could hear his thoughts. But it wasn't like I was verbally hearing words come in, but our hearts were communicating with each other non-verbally. Um, and as Tyson was talking a minute ago, I pictured myself sitting in Sherry's living room again. And I literally felt this concept go from my mind into my heart and my bosom started to burn as I understood this principle of what charity, what love really is. That's huge. I had that experience yesterday in a, in a different way. So I have a daughter, she's 11. Um, she struggles like we all do. And I can tell when she's struggling with the things that she struggles with because she, she loses the spirit. And, um, and I know, and, and discernment as a father is everything. So I'm like, okay, heavenly father, how do I, help this situation how do I how do I help <coughs> and so so before you tell that okay I want to do this exercise with with uh, you out there in podcast land and then we'll let Tyson finish that okay. that story so well, I guess you, you could tell her, but basically Tyson looked at her and said where do you get your feelings of self-worth so for those of you who are listening if it's chaotic where you're at pause this and wait till there's a moment where you can really listen to what we're about to say please 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 pause right here like if you're not in a place you're driving and or or you're at work or your family's in the background making noise you need to be in a quiet place to have this work the way that greg and i have seen this work not only in our own lives and the lives of other people yep you need to be present for this so I want you to stop what you're doing and I want you to think to yourself right now, where do you get your feelings of self-worth? So just ponder that for a minute. There's a lot of different thoughts that just happened in a lot of different minds. Some who understand it some who don't. Now I want you 
how many of you would like to feel the difference of thinking about where your feelings of self-worth come from versus feeling where your self-worth comes from so now I want you to go to your heart and listen to what I'm about to tell you if I can tell you brothers and sisters I testify to you in the name of Jesus Christ and in the name of our Heavenly Father that they love you they love you in ways that you cannot even comprehend perfectly and purely without judgment the only thing they want for you is to feel their love and to be united with them Heavenly Father and His Son Jesus Christ love you and that's the only place where you should be getting your feelings of self-worth from those who give it perfectly If you are in tune <clears throat> right now, how are you feeling? Because a vision is opening up to my mind and I see people weeping because they're feeling the love of our Heavenly Father. Brothers and sisters, I testify to you in the name of Jesus Christ and then in the name of our Heavenly Father, inclusive of the love of our Heavenly Mother, that you can feel that love whenever you want to by asking to receive it. Which of us would ever deny a hug to our child if they needed one? I might. Maybe I don't feel like hugging them, but I tell you that their love is so perfect that if you genuinely seek to feel that love and you ask to feel it, it always comes always and the indication with that love is that the healing and perfect atoning power of Jesus Christ is working in your life you're not perfect but you're being perfected you're on the path you're in the process of becoming clean and forgiven and sometimes in those instances Heavenly Father will give you the indication that you are clean and forgiven and always that he is pleased with where you are and he will urge you forward on the covenant path and therefore what okay so we're at the end of this podcast now Hopefully you just felt the love that our Heavenly Father and Jesus have for you. If you didn't, I challenge you to go to them in prayer um, and really get that confirmation of their love for you. And then turn around, go find somebody that you know that's struggling right now and give that love to them. Not your love but the love of your Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ because they love everybody exactly the same perfectly. That's huge. You need to understand that. We can't give out of our own well because eventually our well will dry up. 
we have to let Heavenly Father's love flow through us. And he'll teach you how to do that. And that doesn't mean you're not giving them your love. But that virtue, that power, comes from Heavenly Father and from the Savior, Jesus Christ. You become one with them, a trifecta, with that person that you're giving love to. But the power is coming from the one who holds it perfectly. Eventually, we will become perfect and have charity perfectly and be tapped directly into the source and have an endless well. But right now we're mortals and we're mortals. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Yep. Yeah. Back to that experience real quick with my daughter. And this will this will give you a clear indication of how this works. Sisters, you have the priesthood. Okay. You don't have, you don't hold an office that you can operate like we talked about in this life in the priesthood, but you have power through your endowment. And if you're not endowed through the covenants you've made with the savior, wherever those covenants stand and wherever you are on the path, that power is charity. Exactly. And sisters have a natural connection, a more natural connection to charity than we do as brothers. It's just there. So yesterday, my daughter, um, back to, you know, struggling. I could tell her and my son were fighting. I talked to them both. I dismissed my son because the spirit told me that I needed to work with her. And I'm standing kind of across the room from her and we're talking and there was some reproving with sharpness, not in a spirit of anger or guile or I didn't, wasn't angry with her, but I needed to, the spirit through me was getting her attention. Once her attention was gained, I said to her, Hallie, do you know what the problem is? And I said, and I say this is a problem because I've experienced it myself. Do you know what the problem is for us as people? She said, no. I said, we think with our minds too much and we don't feel with our hearts and we don't think with our hearts, which is the receptacle of all perfect light and truth is our hearts. And I said, Hallie, I'm, I said, would you like to feel the difference between what you know in your mind and what you know in your heart? She said, yes. I said, right now, what we've been talking about is an intellectual concept. But now you, you need to feel it. And I said, would you like to feel the change taking something from your heart into your, or from your mind into your heart? She said, yes. And I walked across the room and I put my hands down on our kitchen table and I leaned over close to her face and her eyes were locked with my eyes and I prayed to Father silently that he would turn on the flow of his love. And I felt that light and power come into the top of my head and without laying hands on my daughter, I looked at her in her eyes and I said, Hallie, in the name of Jesus Christ and by the authority of the Melchizedek priesthood that I hold, and by virtue of the covenants that we have both made, I testify to you of the love that your Heavenly Father has for you. It's perfect. And as I did, I saw her melt and tears began flowing out of her eyes. And I asked her, did you feel it? And she said, yes. We had a couple subsequent conversations. I encouraged her and excused her to go do some praying and she came back. And then I took her in my arms and I gave her a hug and I prayed for that same flow without speaking to come in through the crown of my head and out through my heart. 
And as I did, as that flow started and I could feel it, she started to shake because she was crying. And I asked her, Hallie, what do you feel? And she said, she said something that my little piper started saying to me. She said, I feel like your heart is going into mine and mine into yours. That is the power that we have and the opportunity we have. And the Lord will teach you how to operate in a way that your heart and mind understand. He'll teach you. That's the way that I did it. That's not the that's not the only way for this to work. You can do it. You can push that kind of love and energy without the other person even being aware that you're doing that. And I've had that experience too. But I testify to you in the name of Jesus Christ. This is a true principle. So it's time. We know what we're supposed to do. We know who we are. We know what our purpose is. And now we have the weapon to go after the chaos that Satan is in pushing out in an onslaught upon us. Everybody I talk to says I just get beat up on all day long by the adversary. Well, all we have to do is build a shield of love. True purpose, true love, a desire to serve our Heavenly Father, a willingness to not care about the accusers and stand up and do what we've been called and sent here to the earth to do. I love this quote. It says, As we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fears, our presence automatically liberates others. Let your light so shine that others may see. Don't hide it under the bushel. Playing small isn't going to work anymore. Every single person listening to this podcast is listening to it because you were directed to listen to it by the Spirit because the Lord needed you to hear this. He's calling you up. He's asking you to get in the fight, go on the offensive, push the line forward, not with force, not with power, but with love. Unfeigned, which means not fake love, love that's gone from your head to your heart so that it's pure and powerful. Brothers and sisters, this came to my mind. <clears throat> I've been in the room in somewhat more um, more intimate settings um, in, in a church building and then also in conference when the prophet or when, when prophets and apostles enter the room. And if you've ever had that experience, stop and think about not what you thought. Think about what you felt. Those men have charity. And when they enter the room, you're feeling the power of the Lord flowing through them to everyone in that room. That's the meaning of scriptures when it talks about their hearts were knit together in love. That's what's happening. You can be that presence. You are supposed to be that presence. As we march ever closer to the the cat the cast the, the catastrophes that came spit the word out, and the things that are going to happen on the earth, you have inside of you that power and ability to be a calming influence and to silence that chaos 
in those that are prepared to receive the message you have. First, it has to be calmed within ourselves, right? Which means you have to learn to love yourself. Sorry. How many times did Ray tell us that? No more poking at yourself because you're too fat, you're too short, you're too tall, you're whatever it is, you're not good enough here, you're not good enough there. All of that is chaos, darkness, brought to you by the adversary. Your body, we've been told, our body is a temple to the Savior. I got to tell you, when I go to the temple and I walk onto those grounds and I look up at that building, I love that building. It's my solace. I love it. That's the attitude we have to get with our own physical body, our temple, to love it perfectly. Because in loving ourselves, we bring it in back into the order that it was originally formulated to be, which allows Christ to come and dwell within us. And then that, and that's where the prophets are, right? That's why they radiate that perfectness is because they've come to peace with who they are. Their feelings of self-worth are coming from the Savior and from our Heavenly Father, not from what anybody thinks of them. And that's the starting point. If you don't love yourself, you got to start there. And once you start to love yourself, then you go out and start to love other people. Not then. It's done tandemly because it's the grace for grace principle. The more you go out and serve and love other people, you will start to love yourself more and more. Um, it happens at the same time, I think. Yep. Yeah, I had a, a brother who's going through um, some changing, and he's like that, that butterfly in the chrysalis right now, and that's what he said to me the other day. He's like, I have to be calculated. He's learning that principle. But he also is not afraid to give grace for grace and then grow from grace to grace. So that's the concept is wherever you are now, use the light that the Lord authorizes you to and the love that he authorizes you to to go out and do your special work in your sphere of influence in the in the part of the vineyard that the Lord's put you to work in. I challenge you to study the the word charity. Understand what it is because we are literally nothing. Paul talks about how you can prophesy, you can cast out devils, you can do anything any of these other things in the name of Christ, but if you have charity, it's in vain. You have nothing. And now we understand that that's because that is Everything is because of charity. It was created by love and controlled by love. I testify that this is a true principle. I testify that our Heavenly Father loves you, and so does the Savior, Jesus Christ, unconditionally, perfectly. And I say that in his name, even Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God be with you till we meet again. So, technically, this was podcast eight was what we had been given to this point and we didn't know if we were going to do more podcasts or not we uh we have been told that there is another podcast coming so um after we get done beating our heads in the wall for a couple weeks and the lord teaches us what we're supposed to share hopefully it doesn't take that long but (laughs) yeah and we're not sure exactly where that's going to go but yeah we will be doing some future podcasts we love you guys we'll Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.